Welcome to Learning with Lisa, Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast with Lisa Navarra, award-winning educator, consultant, behavior specialist, author, and parent. This podcast provides support for school leaders, educators, and parents. We share and discuss evidence-based resources that are embedded in social and emotional learning to meet the needs of students who struggle focusing and learning. Teachers and parents find information and strategies to improve students' academic, behavioral, and social-emotional performance. It's time to turn kids from I can't into I can. Welcome to Student Success Beyond Expectations. And we are here today with Andy, who felt that mommy guilt, who not only felt the mommy guilt, but she felt like a failure. So when we're talking before camera and recording, she's like, that's a great introduction. Yes, I felt (laughs) the guilt. I felt like a failure. But let me tell you, she doesn't feel like that anymore. She feels empowered because she's able to inspire others. But it doesn't just come because she felt like it. Let me go help others. No, she felt like so many of us parents out there do. But she took the reins and empowered herself. How? She went to research, developmental psychology. She looked at some reviews and articles and said, you know what? That makes sense to me. Let me apply that to my six children. She had, check this out, you ready? Are you listening? She had six children in eight years. Imagine that. So she's got a 15-year-old, is her youngest now, and a 24-year-old as her oldest now. So I think she deserves a whole lot of respect (laughs) when she says, listen, Lisa, I've got parenting hacks I want to share. I am a reformed yeller, and I want people to stop feeling the shame. And that's her purpose for you right now, right here, right today. So welcome, Andy. was so excited to have you. I'm so glad to be here. And thanks for that introduction. I know that seems weird that I would say, yeah, tell them I'm a reformed yeller. Tell them I used to be so ashamed. But I like to say that because for all the moms and dads, I'm sure some dads feel the shame and guilt too, but I feel like the moms carry it heavier. It's normal. It's fine to mess up, but the shame, like we don't want to hide around in the corners and not talk about it. Like we need to talk about it and realize this is how we get better. This is how we learn is through our mistakes. I think there's a Nelson Mandela quote where he says, I never, I never fail. I think I I might be messing it up, but something like I never fail. I only learn or grow. And that's because he always was using every mistake or failure to move him forward and to learn more. So that is what I'm about for us moms. It's It's all available to us if we will just use the mess ups and the failures and the disappointments to our benefit. So I'm so excited to talk to you. Yes. Yeah. This is, it's been great already. And what do you say to the parent who, you know, they have their social groups, their kids are friends and you know, they're they're silently suffering. Like, I can't believe I did it again. Or my kid yelled at me and he's got a good point because I did kind of mess up, but they don't want to say anything, but they need the support. So What do you say to them in circumstances like that? Yeah. One of the things I learned for myself as I was pulling myself out of my hole that I like to tell other moms is behavior is just information. We we have all these labels and stories and they, my toddler threw a tantrum. And so therefore my teenager didn't do his chores. So he's going to be lazy or whatever. We have these stories we attach to behavior 
And if we were to slow down, I wish everyone learned this someday we're going to teach everyone in the schools this, but like behavior is a result of the nervous system. It really is. We have stories in our subconscious because our nervous system has decided different things are unsafe. And when we can just say, okay, my child, they're doing the best they can right now. It's pretty terrible. And they probably need some limits put in place because they're not able to control themselves. But if I can see they're doing the best they can at the park, when all the other moms are glaring at you and thinking, what is going on with that child? If you can just get the child, scoop it up and not have the judgment towards them, your child or you, or even those other moms glaring at you, they're doing their best. They're, they're trying to make sense of their life too. But if we can just drop right. the judgment and just be neutral and say, this is just information telling me something's like off with my child, because if they were functioning at their best level, they wouldn't act like this, or they're just immature. You know, when they're little, they're just literally immature. They just don't have the ability to regulate their emotions without us alongside. They need this, the adult to be the wiser person in the equation. And so that's what I would start with is behavior is information, emotions are all welcome. Their information too. They're giving us some, you know, signals of what's going on. They need to be felt. And so we start allowing humans to be humans. We're messy, we're emotional. And when we can feel seen and heard as a child, as an adult, but if, you know, we're talking about a parent to a child, when a parent can see, feel seen and heard, things shift like magically and miraculously and massively really they shift because all of a sudden their nervous system can calm down, can go back to that place of safety and equilibrium and to feel like, okay, I've, someone's got me, you know, mm -hmm. but so often what we do is we just get frustrated and their child's already frustrated about something and we're pouring gasoline on the fire and we're, or we're telling them, stop making such a big deal about this, quit being, you know, frustrated. And they're, I think if we look in our own life, that's not how we calm down by someone telling us or commanding us to calm down. So our kids need the same thing. So that was a very long answer, but <laughs> I, 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 and I'd love to hear what you think, but, but like this yes. idea of just neutralizing, like, let's just stop putting judgments and just say, oh my, this is my child suffering. My child and that's struggling. your central message, I think, right here, really. So, yeah. and and I like that, and I hear you. So, and and I know that people really do like stories or examples, so they could visualize it. Can yeah. you somehow give give us an example of how behavior is information? Yeah. What what does that look like? Yeah, I, mean, I have so many. I'll I'll pull from personal stories since yeah. I didn't get. I like to get permission from my clients that I work with if I'm going to share there. So I'll pull one from my own story, my own life. Okay, my um, youngest is, uh, often just, she's just has a really beautiful, big personality with lots of emotions. I love it. But with a big, um, high emotion personality, those emotions come out a little bit unbridled sometimes and she's learning. And so sometimes she does or says something that gets misinterpreted by other kids. So one time she came home and, uh, she had been told by somebody else as she was mean. I wasn't actually at the situation, but she came home. She's me. She's like, I'm mean. I said that. And she acknowledged she was 13 at the time, acknowledged that she had, or maybe 12, but had acknowledged that she could have done, she could have been nicer, you know, if okay. she had been able to, but in the moment she didn't. And I helped her see, cause I am so of the opinion, this is just her nervous system speaking. Like she just 
didn't understand what was going on or she she did say something that maybe was unkind. And so when you can look at it from a curious point of view, and we did this together because she was old enough to do it. And I just said, sometimes you are going to say unkind things or do something mean, but that does not mean you are mean. That does not mean you are unkind. It just means that sometimes that comes out just like you have thoughts, but they not, they aren't your, your, you aren't your thoughts or you have emotions, but I am not my emotion. And so when we can start to separate, that's one of the ways we can start to separate that behavior is information and emotions are information. There's something that's happening. They're information. They are not defining someone. And what's really fascinating is she took her a little bit for her to disentangle the behavior from her identity. She was thinking, no, I am mean. They said it and I feel bad. And, and so there's so much power when, and there's so much power when you can disentangle it and you can go make situations right. And you can go say, sorry, and then you can do better next time when you're not pulling that shame or that identity with you into the next situation. So sometimes the feedback I get from parents is, well, if I don't make sure they know that they behaved badly, then they're just going to keep doing it. I'm in tie. I'm in, you know, they're make sure that they know it's important. It's very important. Yeah. Yeah. But I say, yeah, you want to know it's important, but you don't want them to feel like they're a terrible person. Right. And there's a difference. Right. And so it's like, yes, you want them to know what happened and play through it, but you don't want them to feel that now they are that action. They aren't, they're so much more than that. So if you have a client who um, you're trying to teach that child that lesson, but they're so super sensitive. So you're trying to, you know, guide and say, well, if you approach things differently, you might've had a different outcome, but they're just identifying whatever you're saying as the adult to them as a criticism. How do you navigate that? Let me make sure I understand. So you're saying a child comes like my daughter and she's so identified with what the other kids called her and she's not able to hear me. Is that what you're asking? Yes. Because they, whatever you say, it's an instant defensiveness of you're attacking me, you're criticizing me, and there's no lesson for me to detach from, there's a lesson here that, um, okay, I can make it better, I can say I'm sorry, and next time I can approach it, you know, things in a different way, I can express myself in a way that really represents how I'm feeling. Yeah. Um, Tell me if if I'm answering this correctly, like if if this is getting to what you're asking, but when a child comes and they are feeling like they have made a mistake, right? They haven't been their kindest, most compassionate, lovely person that they, that they could be, or that, that sometimes, um, or that, you know, that they are, then I, I really try to make sure they, that I am believing in their goodness in the moment Mm -hmm. so that my energy is mm-hmm. not judgmental at all about what they did. Like, mm-hmm. I want to look at it for sure. We want to inspect it. We're going to have a conversation around it. If I feel like that's appropriate, sometimes that needs to wait 24 hours till everyone's nervous systems calm down. Mm-hmm. Um, much, you have much better thinking power when your nervous system's not activated, but I think it's helping them know that they are more than their behavior over and over and over again allows them to own up to their behavior. So they are able to have more ownership over 
their behavior when they are not attached to it, if that makes sense. Does that, yes. did that answer your question? I want to make sure. Yeah. So I think, so this is the nuances of when um, working with children or loving children um, that we don't always identify because we're so stuck sometimes on the words or being reactive or trying to be more responsive and proactive. But you said the one word that I'm not quite sure people are very aware of or how to use it, which is energy. And mm. it's the energy that we give out to our children that can make them feel safe or not safe yeah. or judged or not judged. So I'm going to push you a little bit on this. So yeah, how, do it. <laughs> great. So let's talk about what do you mean by energy when talking about maybe yeah. a sensitive situation with a sensitive child? How does that benefit? Yeah, this is yeah. so good. So one of the ways I think about energy is I link it to the emotional state we're having. And so emotions have been compared. I've seen scientists that have compared them to electricity, but they also can literally be measured energetic. Like they have, they have machines that will read the, the energy that's coming out from us. And it changes depending on our mood and our emotions that we're having. And I love the the tan, like how tangible that feels, how real it feels. It's not all woo, 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 right, you know, right. Like all this yeah, no. crazy stuff. I, like, yeah, it's real. And the other scientific um, studies that I've been reading that are really exciting are about mirror neurons and how they've discovered these mirror neurons initially in monkeys, but they're seeing them in, they're studying them in humans now. And they're showing that in the studies I've seen or read, they're showing that as humans were sending out messages to the people around us at, through these mirror neurons and their mirror neurons are picking up on it and it's helping it, it informs the other person subconsciously obviously they're not they're not feeling it through you know their conscious brain but they're feeling it emo like in their body at yeah, some yeah. level they're like they, we're able to map people really well mm -hmm. we wish our kids couldn't map us as well as they can but they are good mappers and they can feel Oh, mom's mad at me. Right. Mom's resent resenting me. Mom's frustrated with me. Um, and so we can't fake that. There's no faking how we're feeling. Now, for all the moms out there, don't use that against yourself either. Like, just be curious. Like, oh, I'm so frustrated. I'm so triggered when the kids fight. I can't handle it when the bedroom's messy. That's just information. Like, let's you can dig into that and you can explore that either by yourself or with someone helping you. And you can really get to the bottom of that and neutralize your reaction. And just because we accept the bedroom being messy in the moment, this is what's happening. The bedroom's messy. I don't want to fight against reality because I lose every time because this is reality. You know, it doesn't mean you don't do something about it. It's not passive. So accepting is not equal to passive. So I would say as we get more aligned with the energy we want to have or the emotion we want to have around our children's behavior, they pick up on that and their behavior will shift so much faster. I've seen it over and over and over again in my life with my clients where they'll come to me and they'll say, Andy will not believe what happened. And they'll tell mm -hmm. me the story. I'm like, I do believe it because it happens every day. I hear this mm -hmm. every day because when the parent starts to shift their emotional energy towards situations, then the kids' nervous systems can calm down. They don't have to be on the defense. 
Because when we're judging them, their nervous system is saying, ooh, threat, you got to protect yourself, go into fight or flight. And so now they start fighting. Oftentimes we go into defense mode too. And now we're just two nervous systems butting heads and our thinking is offline and our emotions are high and we don't get a lot of momentum. Mm -hmm. So yeah, energy is a big deal, but energy and emotions are kind of the same thing to me um, in a lot of ways. So yeah. You want to explain that? Energy the, the energy and emotions. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just the vibrational frequency of different energy. And like I said, the scientists have ways of measuring this. I haven't gone into the labs and seen it, but I've read the studies and they're showing the energetic levels. And I was just uh, researching this topic of energy. And they were saying that acceptance is, is a high, you know, obviously a higher energy than resistance and resistance would include frustration, irritation, resentment, anything that's fighting against a situation and we're having a judgment against it. That's lower, but once we can accept they've measured the energetic frequency and it's, it's up a, a you know, a bunch and they, and the people around us can feel that shift. And then if we can go into enjoyment, which is a whole, like, can you, like parents are probably like, what? I mean, yeah. can you actually enjoy the process of saying, okay, this child is having a meltdown. How awesome that I get to be here to support them. How amazing it is that I get to help them feel this all the way through. So they don't have a trauma around this or something right. to even enthusiasm is the next level. They were saying they're, they were comparing these three levels, acceptance, enjoyment, enthusiasm as different levels that we can try to get to. And it allows us to just show up so much more capable and it really helps our children navigate difficult situations when we aren't matching them at their low energy, their low emotional rate, like they're frustrated. If we're just matching them at the frustrated level, we're going to, that's where we're going to be, that we're not going to solve the problem. But if we can step it up and be, I'm at least neutral about this, we have the opportunity to co-regulate with our child, right? And emotionally help them get to a different place because we're setting that, that example for them. So there's so I much like I could it. say about this. We could talk the whole time. Yeah. I but. love it. Co-regulate. I really like that actually. So let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Um, when you're working with your client, your clients, do you work with the parents and the child together? Like how's your structure? What does that look like for yeah, you? Yeah, no, just the parents. So okay. I do everything remote, <clears throat> like over zoom. And so I find it's much more effective to just work with the parents. And then if the kids need therapists and stuff, it, I feel like kids do so much better with someone in the same room and talking with them. Yeah. But if the parent can be in a better place to support that child, everything just goes so much better because the co-regulate you know, their brains, the children's brains are built to have an adult help them regulate their emotions to co-regulate with them and to set that energetic or emotional tone in their home. And so if the parent can be in a better place, you're just giving your child a better opportunity to figure out all of the stuff that they're going through. Right. So I love working with the parents and yeah, just allows everything. Well, they to are go definitely so lucky and very fortunate to have you. Um, let me ask you oh, this. Do you, you. Ever, do you ever work with parents um, who are divorced and have very different parenting styles? Like yeah, one might get it and one is reactive. Yeah. Yeah. I, I typically, I have, when I've done this, it's, it's been separate. So I don't usually meet with them together, but it is really fascinating to support 
each parent in their own style. Cause my, my journey or my rather my job isn't to get them to fit into a mold at all. It's not like this is the perfect way to parent. It's like connection relationship is the core of parenting. And mm-hmm. that can look very different to different people based on culture and race. And, you know, like just sex, like a male versus a female energy is very different. And so it's, we just use that and really allow someone to figure out for themselves, how can I connect better with my children? How can I accept these situations? And so that's the core of it. Right. Yeah, the core right. of it. No matter what stage they're at, no matter what skill level they're at, it always goes down to that central piece right there. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Yeah. Talk that to us like about <laughs> uh, the parent hacks. <laughs> Parenting hacks. Yeah. What is that? Tell us. I know we all want them. (laughs) DIY parenting hacks. (laughs) Yeah. All the parenting hacks. You know, it's interesting because it's less, when I say parenting hacks, it's less about do X, Y, Z and you'll fix your child forever. It's, it's a lot about looking internal to the, to the parent and saying, let's look at what you are feeling or thinking around this child. I think that's one of the best parenting hacks is understand your own behavior, (laughs) like see where you are coming from. That's one of the best parenting hacks, because if we're not aware of the way we're showing up, the way I feel so upset when my child does, you know, doesn't go to bed when I ask him or doesn't listen to me, I feel like he's really disrespecting me or something. We want to look at that story because that that is where we get to change the world. As Gandhi says, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. And I love that because that is really, that's a, that's a hack. That's a, that's a, a change of thinking is, oh, it starts with me because a lot of times this was me. I should just say when I was having all my littles, I was thinking when the kids start listening better and when they go to bed without a struggle and when they start, stop being, you know, not so kind to each other, then life is going to be better. But the problem with that is now I have no control over my life. I'm, I have to control someone else to make me feel better. And one of the best hacks we can realize is it starts with me. And if I am feeling an emotion, cause my kids are acting a certain way, it's my job to deal with my emotions. It's not my kid's job to start doing something different. So I feel better because a lot of times when we look inside ourselves, we realize, oh, I want my kids to stop fighting because I feel so terrible when they fight. Cause I feel like a failure. I feel really nervous or anxious or frustrated. And so that's one of my favorite parenting hacks is look at yourself, which yeah. not everyone wants to hear that, but I promise it's going to be the best, the best thing to start with is to look at our, starting with ourselves stuff. is a really important thing to do. Yeah. It begins with us. Yeah, yeah. Looking inside for sure. Yeah. And then I can say another one if you want, or you want to, Oh just yes, please do. Yeah, so, Give us a so few. The, yeah. The other, the other more tactical one, people will probably like this better than what I just said, but the other tactical one would be to, to create a working relationship with your child before you start giving them directions. So often the parent is saying something from the other room in an elevated voice, you need to do this or turn that TV off or go. And there's no connection, no relationship, no, 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 even awareness of what's happening with that child. And we kind of bulldoze our way in and we think we have the right to do that as a parent, 
But if we were at lunch with a friend and we were sitting across the table from them and they weren't looking at us in the eye and they were avoiding us and ignoring us, we would pause and try to connect with that person and establish a working relationship. And so one of the easiest things we can do is go get close, look at them in the eyes, see if they'll look back. Some kids have trouble with eye contact, but even if they'll respond to you with their body language or a nod or something to say, oh, they're listening, they've got me. Because when you haven't done that foundational work, it's really challenging to be able to know actually what's going on. And a lot of times we just get really, really frustrated. So come in close, look at them before you give directions. That's going to save you a ton of time in the long run, a lot of less frustration. And then the third one I would say is just play more with your kids. There's so much research that shows the power of being present and playing with them and the bond that takes place when you play with them and the the nervous system relaxes. We all want that. The thinking goes up. There's so many benefits of playing. And as adults, sometimes we forget that we're supposed to play. We're like, we're into work now. Play was for children. (laughs) But if you can just play with your kids, even five or 10 minutes a day, just be present with them makes a huge difference. So how about those teenage years? How do we use some of these parenting hacks to those 15-year-olds, 14, 13 even? Have any suggestions for us? Yeah. I love it. I mean, I would still look inside. I would still, especially with teenage years, sometimes those teenagers, and this is developmentally appropriate, are starting to pull away, are starting to be more, you know, they want to be more um, autonomous. They want to have their own ideas about stuff. So that can be really alarming for a parent. So we got to still look inside. They also, because of that process that's supposed to happen. So they go out in the world it can feel like they don't listen or respect us anymore. And they can definitely tell us that a lot more clearly. And they, any conception we had of control when they were little teenagers, let us know, you have no control over me. I will do whatever I want sometimes in spite of you only because you said no. So I think the, the play, it looks different with a teenager because they're not playing with Legos and stuff, but if you can still just be present with them, be interested in the things that they're interested in, even if they aren't interesting to you, try to show some interest for even, even if it's like a video game and you're thinking, I don't want video games. I don't want to play video games. I think this is bad. Sit down and just connect over it and just genuinely be interested. Ask them questions. The more you can neutralize behavior is neutral with them. And the more you can drop the judgment and just be curious with them, the better off you're going to be in that whole teenage journey, but a teenage journey could be so fun if we have the right mindset around it. And we actually know developmentally what is supposed to be happening. If not, we can feel really frustrated. So yeah, all the same thing. And, and this come close and ask them, I would still do that hack. Just the same, just give them the respect that you would give another adult to come and ask them in a way that you would, you, that if you were asking that in front of a friend, you could respect yourself, you know, don't talk to them in a way that, that you would be embarrassed to have someone other you respect, you know, another adult, a good friend of yours listened in on. So really, really, we have to do that with the older kids, especially because they're, they're smart. They know. Oh, yeah. out. <laughs> oh they sure they pick are up on us. <laughs> <laughs> they do. Yeah. 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 So good. And stop feeling the shame. Talk to us about that. Oh, the shame. Can you relate to that? Did you feel the shame as you were like, did yes, you have that? I still do. Yes. I'm like, oh, yeah. 
I, I, you know what? I, I, there was, I missed an opportunity. I could have connected instead. I was reacting to the same thing I've been asking for the last week. If only it would have gotten done. Now I've had enough yes. of it, but I missed the, yeah. that heart of what was just said or what? Yes, of course. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I haven't met any moms. I'm not, I'm not saying there's none out there, but I have not met one yet that doesn't have the parenting shame around something. And I would say just, it's a normal part of being a human. As a human, we're going to experience the whole gamut of emotions, the positive emotions and the terrible emotions. And the more we are invested and love our children, the more we're going to feel the opposite of that. It, they, they come in tandem. We want to like only feel the love and joy, but like yes. the grief and the sadness and the shame and the regret yeah. are equally strong. Yeah. So I just want to make sure people know it's normal and to notice it, but not to be caught up in it. It can be something that just takes over our mind for days and then we're not present. And so, or even an hour, you know, and you just can't work and that's okay. Like it takes however long it takes, but as soon as you notice it to just really be aware that this is just an emotion and it's, be and let me look at what happened and let me just be aware of it instead of being in the story. It's, it's almost as if you're the reader of the book instead of in the book. And therefore, and when you can be that reader, that observer of your shame or of your frustration or your, whatever it is, um, you're just so much better capable of navigating it once you see it instead of swept away. So shame's normal, but if you can switch it and get curious about it, then you can actually learn from it and grow and do better and realize it's normal. We all mess up. Don't, don't shame yourself. <laughs> I it said, don't tricky. should yourself all the time. Yeah. yeah it's it very is tricky. tricky not to own it and to just try and see it objectively as if you were looking at a parent and a child, you know, we put so much expectations, I think on ourselves and because we do love our kids yes. so much, we want us and the way we interact with them to be so perfect. It's so easy to go into that rabbit hole. I did it again. How, how can I, I just couldn't, why can't I just see it differently? You know, cause the yeah. outcome isn't yeah. what you wanted. So now it's, now right. you're looking at yourself saying, ah, yeah. And judging yourself. And then it just doesn't put you in a place of learning when you judge yourself, but I love getting curious about yourself. Yes. We can just start getting curious. Yeah. It just, we learn so much faster when we're not activating our own nervous system against ourselves. That's what's really happening when we're shaming. It's like, we're triggering ourselves and we're triggering it again. You know, we just activated and defended against ourselves and so easy to do. So I hope everyone hears that it's normal, but don't, don't get, don't, don't be embarrassed by the mistakes you make. Cause I promise there's a lot of other people who've done the same thing. So, and our kids are usually pretty forgiving. I'm pretty amazed sometimes at how quick they are to say, I get it. You know, maybe ah. it takes them a day or something, but typically, you know, they, they're willing to forgive us. They, they want to be connected to us. That's what they really want. And they want us to show up for them. So, yeah. And I think it takes a leader sometimes when you have maybe let's take a mommy group, you know, it takes a leader to mm -hmm. step out and say, this is what I did. I regret it, but I'm going to try and see it differently. I'm, I'm going to forgive myself and having that conversation and hopefully yeah. your, their friends will respond and that just be like, oh, that's good right. for you. That's good for you. <laughs> yeah. I, I never have that mistake. You know, yeah, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. 
No, but, but if we can have discussions like that or share our stories with people, then we'll be able to start using those mistakes to move us into even more compassion and more connection with our kids, because it really is through the mistakes of life that we, that we learn. Nobody, I've never heard, met anybody who, who was like, I've never made any mistakes in my life. It seems to be part of the human condition. <laughs> yeah, it seems so. to be part of what humans do. Yeah. So research shows them. that it is. <laughs> research shows 10 out of 10 humans. <laughs> Definitely peer reviewed articles where we do that. <laughs> yes, yes. So I hope that helps people like not saying they should have. Cause, cause going back to the nervous system framework, if you could have done better, you would have. You know, if, if, if we could have functioned from our best place, we wouldn't have yelled or we wouldn't have gotten frustrated or we would have seen the truth of the story, right? We would have been more patient and taken more time to understand before getting frustrated. So if we could have done better, we would have, everyone would, I believe in the goodness of humans. So if we could have, we would have, so we're just trying to decipher what is the thing that got in my way from being my honest, good, loving, compassionate self. And let me just clean that up a little bit. And typically that dirt on our window or on our lens that's, that prevented us from being who we were isn't our fault. It's something that happened along the way. It's something that was said to us or some little trauma that happened or some story that we came up with to protect ourselves that is now not serving us. But our nervous system thought at one point it was safe to have that. It was good to have right. that. So that's why... Yeah, we all would have done better. So shoulda, coulda, woulda. I try not to say it. If I say it, I'm like, oh, I'm doing it. I gotta stop. <laughs> what, what? How can I learn? Because you don't learn from shoulda, woulda, coulda. Usually, that's pretty negative. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, it is very judgmental. Yeah. So we'll talk about a lot of research here, you know, and, and Andy, you know, there's so much information. We've got blogs, we've got TikTok, Instagram, you know, there's so much information out there. Talk to us. We can inspire those those parents out there who want to learn more, but feel like it's overwhelming. They don't know which way to go first. So much information, so much to do. Maybe you could just talk to us. Yeah. Oh yeah. There is so much information and it's getting to be more and more every day with all of the social stuff. Um, I would say that if you could go, there's a couple of books I'll recommend. Well, I wrote a book if anybody wants to check it out, because I distilled all of my stuff because I, my background's in nursing and I love reading the, the, the journals and the day I love deciphering all of that, but I can, I can understand how that could be a little overwhelming. If someone's reading parasympathetic nervous system and mirror neurons, like it can get, a, it can get heavy. So my book's called connect method parenting. You can read a lot about how I've taken all of the science that I've learned and the studies that I've studied from the researchers out there and from developmental psychology and neuroscience and put it into a book that's really tailored just for parents. So that's one resource. Gordon Newfield is one of my favorite developmental psychologists and he has a book called Hold On to Your Kids that I highly recommend. It's so good. And from such a beautiful space of of relationships and just really attaching to our children in a beautiful way. So good. So those would be the two I'd probably start with. I know there's so many more I could mention, but I would start with just some really solid books that are, that will enter you into the world of developmental psychology and, and through the, you know, in, in a parenting framework that will serve you, that will help you understand 
how science really does support this because a lot of parents are really worried. They, they think, well, if I am not giving punishments, if I'm not incentivizing with rewards, if I don't use timeouts, if I don't ground my kid, they're not going to learn their lesson. And the research really shows that it's the thing that gives us impact and influence is the relationship we have with our kids. And sure, we need to set limits and we need to keep them safe and we can't just be passive. I don't recommend that at all. But when we focus on the core of what's going on, the relationship, the the safety they feel and they're, you know, with their nervous system, then we have so much more impact and influence. So we can set those limits from a connective place. And I like to say they're fueled by connection instead of correction. And they're received so much better by our kids because they feel our goodness in giving maybe a limit saying, oh, we do need to take the phone away for a few days because that's what's going to serve you best. But it's coming from a place of service instead of I'm going to teach you a lesson and take the phone away because consequences don't teach lessons in and of themselves. They can create safety. They can create Mm -hmm. order. They're important, right? We don't want, we, we need, we need speed limits. We need kids not, you know, taking dangerous things to school, all these things, but the thing that's going to really teach them a lesson and change their heart and turn on that intrinsic motivation isn't the consequence. It's the relationship. It's the feeling of safety. You know, there's a, uh, the body keeps the score is another great book. It's not about parenting, but it's about the nervous system. But he says in there, safety is the solution. And as I've reflected on that, I'm like, that's true. When I feel safe, when I feel seen, when I feel heard and, and a person who I feel that with comes with, comes to me and shares maybe some feedback on how I could do better next time or whatever. I am so much more willing to listen to them and be open to saying, okay, I see you. I hear that. Okay. I can, I can feel safe enough to receive that feedback, but if, if we're giving a punishment or even a consequence in a punitive way, which a lot of times we do, their nervous system just goes into defense and they can't really hear us. And so the lesson they're learning is don't do that again. So you don't get the consequence or don't, you know, just hide it from mom and dad, or it's not the lesson we want. Right. And so if we really want to turn on the intrinsic motivation relationships where it's at. And the nice thing is science proves it. So we don't even have to go out on a limb. Like it's all, it's all data driven. So exactly. And I think too, you know, who we parent around is also very important because when we are trying to set up this, this positive foundation of communication, there's a lot of people who undermine that I find. Yes. Yeah. They don't understand. If it's an easy way out for the child during the learning process, I find they gravitate to the easy way out, but then all of what we're saying now is, is very small and it's not as effective. Talk to us about right. dynamics. Yeah. Well, it's because they're, we learn best in relationships. Yeah. So there was a study I read that was so fascinating. They said digestion even happens better when you're in a safe environment with with people who you love and trust. So I'm like, your body is telling you I function better. I, I, I do better when I'm in a safe place. And so in a, in a classroom setting, if that teacher can have those relationships with the kids, uh, just a trust and like, I got you and I'm on the, we're on the same team. And I believe in your goodness, even when your behavior isn't supporting it, you know, I'm believing beyond your behavior and that child's going to hear it. 
they're going to feel that difference. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you have so much more power of influence and impact because of who you are being for the child, because it's who we are being for our kids or our students, not just what we're doing. What we're doing doesn't matter really at all. (laughs) I can give a really strict limit or I call it set limits because that consequence has such a, uh, you know, so different. It's like rules and expectations. Yeah. Yeah. We have so many meanings around it. So like, I can hold the limit and say no phones or, you know, you lost this privilege, but if I'm doing it out of service and we have a relationship Mm -hmm. that's received so different Mm -hmm. than, you know, if I'm coming with frustration. So it's really important in a classroom setting, you know, you want your kids in the classroom to be looking to you and honoring you and being the one they trust, they have to choose you. I think that's sometimes we get confused, you know, whether you're a parent or a teacher, those titles don't give you the right to, to be the authority figure for that child. They have to actually choose you. It's their decision Mm -hmm. that gives you that right. Mm -hmm. Not just the title, just because you have the responsibility doesn't mean they're going to, you get the title. So it's yeah it's about the response uh, the real the relationship rather that we have with them and if you're talking with the classroom what I find different than uh being in the classroom compared to the home environment is that you can close the door in your own classroom and you can create that climate based on what your students need and they will know exactly who you are and what you represent and be able to connect with that Whereas I think parenting, and I, you can even have the most behavioral class ever. I still think it's easier than parenting. And you can have 15 kids in a class compared to maybe two at home. Because yeah. there are so many mixed messages when parenting. You know, you can have one parent that thinks and is acting just like you and I are talking about. But there's the one saying, oh, well, here's an extra phone and you get a piece of cake too now do this whereas there's no learning experience and it's like well of course i'm going to go to that way and you're there saying what else can i do right yes yeah yeah i i couldn't agree more i think it's the responsibility and weight of a parent is is heavier than a teacher a teacher doesn't blame themselves for the like if the kid's struggling they don't have any, oh my gosh, did I mess up when they were two years old? And now they're like this, you know, they're, they're clean. They like their, their responsibility starts the school, the day school starts and it ends at the end. Like they don't, they're not tied to their whole childhood and they're not as invested in their future either. And so I think it is, it can be simpler for a parent, for a child, for a teacher rather. And I think that because the responsibility is not so burdensome they're not so tied up in all the minutiae of it they're able to keep things more neutral too uh, yeah that's I a good see. point when they don't take things personally right we don't take it as personally yeah so I mean they don't get all they might be frustrated but they're not like oh my gosh and they're not adding the layers of shame and blame to themselves you know right not to that not to a parent degree right not exactly. to the same level not to the same level. yeah yeah. Cause I've had lots of parents I work with and they'll say, I was so good when I was teaching first grade, I never lost my cool. I could see the best in all of my kids. And now my kids, I can't see that at all. And I'm losing my mind every day. And, and, and right. yeah. Right. It's, 
it's different. It's a different load for sure. Yeah. It's really yeah. something to think about. You know, if you're one of those parents listening to us now, I guess, well, what do you think, Andy, taking the best of ourselves in the classroom and applying it at home? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's really, it would be nice if we could stay as neutral as I think a, as a teacher can in our home. Cause it's really not our fault. If we did mess up when they were two, that's just because we were doing the best we could when they were two and we didn't do great, but like, let me just understand, learn, let go, move forward. Yeah. Like if we could be more neutral, like a teacher is able to be and not take everything so personal. Yeah. It would be really helpful. It would be really helpful if we could take that mindset home. (laughs) And I know lots of parents are, but they don't want to be negligent. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes they feel like I can't let go because then I would be irresponsible. Right. And that's, actually the opposite is true. The more you can neutralize everything, the more responsibility you can actually take and the more impact you'll actually have on your kids because you're going to be present. If we're so worried about the past and the future, which a lot of our minds are what we messed up yesterday and, oh my gosh, how is this going to mess them up in the future? We aren't even here today. You know, we aren't even here in this moment. We're so distracted. And so I think one of the beauties of a teacher is they can, I think sometimes be more present because it's like, I've got to get through these lessons and I've got to be teaching them today. And they've turned off their life at home and they're here and that's beautiful. So as a parent, let's do that too. Let's bring in more presence and, you know, it's true. it's, It's anything but irresponsible. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like when you're that teacher and you're saying to the child who comes in, And you've already had that conversation with yourself to say to the kid, okay, listen, we talked about what happened yesterday. It's a whole new day. Remember those strategies for today? You know, sometimes you have that conversation when needed and sometimes you don't, you just, you act as if it's a completely new day and yesterday didn't even exist. Yeah. It's kind of now bringing that clarity into parenting. Yes. And can yeah. you imagine what it would be like if we were able to do that with our parenting? Like yesterday was yesterday and that's over. And today wow, we're going to start huge. fresh. Yes. Yeah. That's huge. I, that, it would be every, it would be huge. It would be huge. Yeah. Yesterday was yesterday. So much better. Yesterday yeah. was yesterday. Is Today what is it today. Is. We did our best. Today's our day. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I Just, like that too. Let's write yeah. a book together. Yes, we'll let's do the, the classroom and the, <laughs> we'll take like yeah, how do we the classroom and apply it to home and vice and make that fluid. I like that. <laughs> that would be amazing. That would be amazing. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Is there anything that you would like to tell our listeners today that we haven't covered? Hmm. How much time do we have? No, I'm just kidding. As much <laughs> as you want. No. <laughs> um the one thing we haven't talked about that I I just want to say is that, um, we, I guess we have touched base on emotions, but I don't think they get enough airtime about how all emotions are welcome and I was, and how important they are because emotions are the engine to our maturation. They are what grows us up. We don't get better at riding a bike by watching other people ride a bike. We have to ride the bike. We don't get better at feeling our emotions and being more emotionally mature by suppressing our emotions. We have to feel them all the way through. And One of the things I loved, I read about a a Canadian school district that was, had transformed all their calm down rooms to Mm. uh, free expression rooms, I think is what they called it. I might be messing it up, but basically the intent was if a kid had a big emotion, they could go to this room and there was no judgment. There was no, uh, 
not nothing negative came from it. They just went to the room and they felt they could feel, they could punch, they could scream, they could yell, and they were supported in this emotional release and just really telling the kids emotions are part of the process. They're all good. There's nothing bad with them and letting them go all the way from being mad about something to just surrendering and being sad. And I love telling parents and I'm like, I want to say this to everyone is just all all these emotions we're afraid of. We're always seeking positive emotions. I want to like the next thing we want to buy or the next thing we want to do is about feeling better. And the only way we can have or even know what a positive emotion is, is if we're familiar with its equivalent of the negative side. And the more we're aware and not scared of that negative side, the less negative they are. Mm. And so we can feel all of these emotions. And if I'm not afraid of feeling disappointed or afraid or whatever that emotion is overwhelmed, if I'm just like, Oh, here's this emotion. It's just going to flow through me like a cloud in the sky. Like, let me just let it take its journey and I'm okay with it. And if we can model that as parents and give our kids permission to have the emotions that are going to come up instead of trying to stop them and cut them short or tell them why they shouldn't have it. I think we would, we would have a lot less negative emotions. I don't think they would be so bad. And if we are really wanting to set our kids up for success, they're going to go out in life and they're going to be disappointed and they're going to be heartbroken and they're going to be devastated. Like they're going to feel all of those things. So preparing them to go encounter those from the best place they possibly could, I think is one of the best things we can do as parents, but it does once again, start with us. So if we're so uncomfortable with our emotions and we can't handle it, then it's going to be hard to teach them. So got to mirror it, but it's one of the most important things that I, we're not talking about. I think it's starting to talk. We're starting to talk about it, but it's, you know, it's an important topic to, to think about when we're parenting and dealing with kids at all, that these emotions are, they're part of them. They're part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. Andy, you were a wealth of knowledge and insight and inspiration too, for us. How do people, Uh, thank you. You're welcome. How do people find you? Um, they can go to my website, connectmethodparenting.com. I'm on Instagram at Andy Martineau and you can go to Amazon and search my book, same name, Connect Method Parenting. If you want to go take a listen or read it. So, and all of Andy's links and information will be in the description below. So be sure to like this episode, subscribe to Student Success Beyond Ex- Expectations and really choose from today's episode What's something that you would like to first embrace and then build off of your skill set as you see it's going to benefit your relationships with your with your children or even relationship with yourself. So thank you so much for joining us. Andy, thank you. You are wonderful. And I hope you come back on and talk to us again. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast, where school leaders, educators, and parents meet on behalf of children who struggle with learning. To bring workshops to your school or organization, contact Child Behavior Consulting and get started with resources available at childbehaviorconsulting.com, Amazon, and teacherspayteachers.com for ready-to-use resources and children's books. If you enjoyed this podcast, remember to review, subscribe, share, and give us a shout out on social media.